This edition of the Major Spoilers Podcast goes out to Jonathan Smith, Liam Pender, Nathan Olson, Peter Walker, Sean Brown, Paul Wade, <gasps> Michael Watanabe, Jeffrey Arbo, Stephen Bauer, Kent Dodd, Daring Heineson, and Adam Connor. So many that I almost don't have time for a reference. Almost. Testicles. That is all. And this one goes out to them. Major Spoilers theme song! The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Pod on, on the air. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod, pod, podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. I've been listening to the Major Spoilers podcast. 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 The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Hey everyone, welcome to issue 497 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Uh, My goodness, Zach and I are watching the trailer to the porn parody of Spongebob Squarepants. I'm going to have nightmares for so long. Why? And I don't know. Well, because it's there. It's, isn't that why Isn't that why the internet exists? If you see something, you're like, I will look at it. I will look at it. it okay, so the no. guy who's... The, so I don't know if you guys... Now, it's got Skin Diamond in it playing... Uh, um, what's the squirrel girl? Sandy. Ooh. Sandy. Uh, Skin Diamond. Uh, you can look her up later. Um, <laughs> Zach is actually young enough to know the characters on Spongebob. <laughs> I remember the first... I don't think he's even old enough to watch porn. <laughs> well, the good thing is this first is the safe This is the safe for uh, work Spongebob. trailer. I don't know. Did Did you guys... I think Matthew... I know I showed it to Rodrigo. No that concept safe for anyone. But the... Uh, <laughs> but the uh, and we it's had the sound off, son. No, they were all clothed. Yeah. But uh, in the Simpsons porn parody, it's like oh, God. everybody was painted yellow. <laughs> And Marge had the big blue hair and yeah. everything going on, and they tweaked the the time base corrector so that everything was was skewed a little bit to look more like a Simpsons world. Oh, nice! It was horrific, right? Yeah. We just watched SpongeBob SquarePants, totally and it looks like now. Okay, picture this. Okay, picture someone wearing a giant SpongeBob SquarePants <laughs> a costume, which by oh. itself wouldn't be too bad, except. The SpongeBob SquarePants costume is like a hard molded thing. Yeah. And it looks like pustules instead of the sponge holes. Mm -hmm. And then and then the person in the suit, you're only seeing his face. He looks like Paul Giamatti. (laughs) (laughs) Is it Ron Jeremy? No, it looks like Paul Giamatti. Uh, I don't know. There's some weird porn parodies out there. There is some weird porn parodies. They had the uh, Family Guy porn parody. I saw a preview for the Smurfs porn parody once. And that looked pretty scary. There's only one girl. (laughs) Well, there you go. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Smurfs porn parody. This ain't the Smurfs. It's called Japan. (laughs) From the studio that redefined blue movies. This is from Hustler uh, Entertainment. Uh, so what's the what's the uh, rule? What's the what's the rule, Rodrigo? If there is a if, if there is a if topic, exists, if it exists, there's a porn version of it. No exceptions. There's also rule 34A, which states that if there is no porn, someone will make it for you as soon as you <laughs> point it out. Zach, why did you point me to this uh, terrible, terrible video clip? Uh, the RSS feed that you gave me months ago. <laughs> oh, pulled okay. it up. Zach is young enough that porn is still funny. <laughs> funny or sad? I, I don't know. When which. OK Video had their back room, and you could finally go in there because I was eighteen, and Tori Wells was the big thing then. And they had this whole wall of Tori Wells, and I'm like, she has beautiful eyes, and everybody in the room just kind of looked at me and went, eyes. <laughs> Tori Wells, by the way, did have beautiful eyes. Um, did you guys ever? Uh, uh, I don't think we've ever on the show reviewed um, any Smurfs comics. That's a, something else we need to uh, no, to address. Are so. there Smurfs? Comics yeah, yeah. The, the uh, ones that I know. The old Payo the top ones. Shelf reprints of the old Payo Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm that's what I'm sure. talking about. Those Paper Cuts has been re-releasing Smurf. those. Wonderful. Yeah, Purple Smurf is one I think we need to to hit on. Either the purple Smurf or the, um, oh, Framistat, 
the one with the popularity contest, and now I can't remember it. Yeah, the the widget has all of them. We all right, we'll, them we'll put those on the list. Okay. Enough of the uh, skin movie talk. Let's talk about the well, cinema movie talk mm, with another installment of Zach on film. Zach on film. He bites <laughs> the big one. Zach on film. So something a lot of people have been uh, asking us to review. Zach on film. Or maybe just two people. Bruce Otter and uh, Mayla. Zach on film. Asking us to take yeah, a look Bruce at. Bruce Otter does not count as lots of people. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> no. Sure he does. I, I his vote, vote counts twice. Twenty-five years. His vote no, counts he twice. Gets one vote. No, two <laughs> and votes. I get to just I get to throw it out and veto it at the slightest provocation. Duck Soup, nineteen ninety-three. The Marx Brothers. This was the last time that nineteen thirty-three. I'm sorry, nineteen thirty-three. Uh, Harpo, Zeppo, oh. um, Groucho, and Chico all appeared together on screen for the last time here. Zeppo just kind of went it's off and Chico. did his thing after this. Um. Zach, give us a rundown of Duck Soup. Oh, right. So Duck Soup takes place in the wonderful country of Fredonia. Hail, hail, Fredonia. Fredonia. Yes. And oh, man, <laughs> Well, you know that that song Stand is supposed to be combining a little bit of the United States national anthem right. with Hail Britan- Britannia mm-hmm. uh, yeah. mixed in there. And as part of this big political satire that right, they're right, trying right. to put together. Uh, so the basic, not so much plot, but gist of the movie is that Fredonia is in financial troubles and the leaders right at the very beginning ask this uh, wealthy lady to have more money. And the only way that she will give it to them is if... <laughs> oh, sorry. That's Hail Dufonia. Dufania. From is, uh, and uh, if oh there you go is if they will elect or they will put in uh, control of the country this Rufus T Firefly mm-hmm. they got he he if he doesn't become ruler of the country then they're gonna go bankrupt or something bad financially and so then the movie is just a play on him running the country. Seemingly more into the ground than it already was, mm-hmm. and their interactions with Slovenia, and the implications of him offending the Slovenian <laughs> minister, and eventually going to war. Pretty much the gist of the movie. Not a whole lot of plot, but there's some funny. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot there's of stuff. Tons of plot. No, not nah. really. Not really. I mean, it is just a plot, but it's not very. It's a, deep. It's a I wouldn't say deep. Well, and it, it I, I guess it depends. Given 10 years in Leavenworth or 11 years in 12. Worth. Right. I'll take five and 10 at Woolworth. Right. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, but that's not plot. That's a joke. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it has really nothing to do with this, awesome. with this, uh, with this idea of uh, awesome. politics and war, which, you know, later people were like, oh, you guys had a great political satire. Mussolini even banned the film because he thought that they were specifically making fun of him. Mm-hmm. Maybe more so from the opening um opening song where it's like he arrives at 10 o'clock sharp everything comes at 10 o'clock or whatever the that 10 o'clock mm-hmm. song was um but you know the marx brothers later on were just like hey you know we're just four jews trying to make some money <laughs> you know it's not supposed to be a political satire or humor mm-hmm. or anything like that um but i mean to an extent they are satirizing how government works mm-hmm. if we don't have money we're going to go to war. If we increase taxes, we're going to go to war. If we do all these things, it's going to lead to war. And and I guess when this movie came out, it wasn't the, you know, the depression was going on. And a lot right. of people didn't find this movie very funny, even though it still made money. Um, it wasn't considered as a success as some of the other movies. Personally, I like Night at the Opera a lot more than Duck Soup. And I think part of the we're reason. Facing utter defeat. What are you going to do about it? I changed to the other side. Right. <laughs> uh, there's a, you know, I think the thing that makes this one of the, uh, what a lot of people consider a great movie, uh, even Library of Congress has named it one of the greatest uh, movies, is both the play on word humor that is rampant throughout, yeah. but more so the brilliant physical gags 
routines that are in this piece. Mm-hmm. So when we get to see the lemonade stand routine, that's a vaudeville bit, right? Yeah. And it's done oh, yeah. brilliantly, uh-huh. right? And then the one that a lot of people remember and usually attribute to the Marx Brothers, even though they did not invent the routine, is the mirror routine where uh, Rufus <laughs> Firefly, played by Groucho Marx, hears a shattering. He's trying to find out who's broken into the house. Mm-hmm. He hears this a big sound. He runs in there and uh, Harpo is disguised as Rufus Firefly. They're both dressed in their pajamas and he is pretending to be the reflection in this broken mirror and they play it off near perfectly. Oh yeah. And it is fantastic. I mean, it is a great routine. Especially when he steps through the, yeah. Yeah. And when you're wondering, and then back out. Yeah. Yeah. And then back out. I mean, it's really, it's funny. And I, I will admit, I I watched this again, um, the other night, uh, because I just wanted to make sure we were, I was fresh on it so we Mm -hmm. could have our discussion. I sat there and I laughed a lot at the at the jokes and at the routines. But if you look at the overall story, there's not much of one, you know. Oh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll throw this guy in office if you just give us 20 million dollars. And then you really don't see him. You've got his his song about how he's going to run the country into the ground Mm -hmm. and a little bit of uh, government work, but not not very much. Most of it focuses around uh, Chico and Harpo as the spies yeah. from uh, Sylvania or wherever that they're from um, trying to get information so they can go to war. So Sylvania can come in and invade and take over everything. Mm-hmm. Now, Matthew, in the early days of film, when a comedy group would move from vaudeville to the screen, oftentimes they would yes. bring their routines with them. And in this case, as I said, with the they mirror routine, not necessarily the, the, the Marx Brothers bit and their jokes. And you would say, OK, we've got these three routines. Let's build a film around this. Uh, Abbott and Costello did this in the roaring or the naughty 90s or whatever or uh, whatever it was with the uh, who's on first routine. Yep. Um, right. And some others have done that where let's uh, Charlie Chaplin too. let's build these events around uh, these uh, these gimmicks. And then let's try to figure out a way to tie those together. And I don't think they always do it uh, very well. And this one is one that I think that has some brilliant routines, but the execution doesn't, doesn't work. And it's more of a, here's a bunch of vaudeville skits with some stuff thrown in, in between. Is that how you, Yeah, I, I, I can definitely see why you would say that. I think you're wrong, but then again, I'm allowed to. No, no. I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's what this is. There's a bunch of vaudeville routines with some loose structure in between. I can buy that. That's kind of what movies were in 1933. Yeah, especially with these comedy troops. Rodrigo, you uh, did some, uh, did you guys talk Duck Soup in any of your film history class? I didn't come here to be insulted. That's what you think. <laughs> well. <laughs> Hello, Rodrigo. We did talk about okay. it. Um, we talked about the Marx Brothers in general, but I actually haven't seen it. Um, it's just it's just one of those things that uh, I, I haven't gotten around to see it. You know, when uh, a lot of the time when I was uh, studying film, you end up watching a lot of the movies that uh, fit into that diagram of important in film and the professors like them. Right, right, right. And I just, you know, it just never happened that uh, any of my professors held up the duck soup as an example. But we did we did talk about the Marx Brothers and the influence of vaudeville in early film and really the the fact that it took forever to get vaudeville back out of film mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we were we're we're still seeing vaudeville influences in film and and you know there's been a, a a pull away from it but you know for the longest time it seemed like you couldn't have a movie that didn't devolve into some sort of shenanigans even in movies that um or a musical number uh even in movies where it kind of didn't fit well zach you had mentioned earlier about the music you weren't prepared for that, right? Wasn't no. that you that said you yeah, weren't prepared for the we music? Yeah, we were talking earlier. I said the the music kind of it threw me off mainly because I wasn't expecting it. But in a crazy, hyper funny way, it completely worked mm-hmm. because I mean, just in an over exaggeration of everything they were playing up, the the fact that they sang 
Hail Hail Fredonia all the time or they sing. I mean, they had a couple numbers and there wasn't like it was a musical by any stretch of imagination. Right. Um, but the musical aspect threw me off, but that was definitely pretty funny. Mm-hmm. When we talk about uh, in the Marx Brothers films, you can talk about, you know, the, the Marx Brothers themselves and, and what they bring to the performance. Mm-hmm. But really, I think the best actor in the in, in all of the Marx Brothers films is Margaret Dumont, who played the uh, the, <laughs> the heiress, the one that uh, said, oh, yes, I will give you the oh, money if you right. install my favorite Firefly. Uh, she and Groucho, time and time again in the Marx Brothers movies, have such perfect deadpan interactions with one another that to me, that's where real the real verbal comedy mm-hmm. comes out, you know, where she just is totally non phased by anything that she says, or she might just, you get a little gasp out of her when he says something that is, could be taken as a different innuendo. Uh, but then she just moves it's right an on an excellent straight man. Oh, she does. Yeah. Ah, she does. And she is the perfect straight man. Uh, I, if you want to study performance, she is a great performer for the straight man routine, especially up against Groucho Marx, because the whole, when he comes in, when he first appears and they're doing the, the, the 10 o'clock routine and, yeah. and he's there being introduced to everyone at the ball, those two back and forth, hysterically funny, hysterically funny. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, yeah, for the, for the straight man and the, uh, the, the, the doofus, uh, those two are a perfect pair. So at least you got to see that in this piece. Um, how would you classify anyone throw this out? How would you classify the Marx brothers in terms of, you know, you got neutral and chaotic, good chaotic, evil, uh, kind of categories, because I know when you get well, down to Harpo, he's Grouch, like, he's like chaotic evil. I don't know about chaotic evil. I think Groucho Groucho is definitely chaotic. Something maybe lawful evil, Maybe chaotic good, depending on how you think. I think that for me, Harpo is actually true neutral in that Harpo can be a complete bastard or he can be the sweetest thing in the world, depending on what's funniest in that scene. I guess I just he just comes off as very terrible in this movie. <laughs> he uh, he he definitely has his moments of pure I mean, just evil, and just chaos. Just I mean, he's defined. just chaos defined. And that's fine because that leads to yep. some great physical gag moments. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, hey, you got a light, and he pulls out the the welder yeah, yeah. to light a cig- cigarette. Yeah. Uh, Rodrigo, where do the these guys? Sequence. Oh, the hat sequence. There's just brilliant physical physical comedy routines in this. Um, Rodrigo, where do you think everybody sits in in that uh, flow chart or that diagram? Oh, I don't know. I honestly haven't seen enough Marx Brothers. Oh, really? That, uh, okay. They're really. Really Are saying. you interested in the Marx Brothers? Because I know Zach was not interested in the Marx Brothers. He watched this movie about an hour before he came over, and he's had a week to do it. So last well, minute homework. That was that last was, minute homework. That was mainly due to last minute homework. Real world jobs and filming and stuff. Oh, okay. Lies, lies, and prevarications. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Did you have any interest I, I, in I seeing the Marx Brothers? I, I, I do. Um, it's just uh, not having an in. You know, like mm-hmm. not really having people around that talk about it very often. Because I mean, you guys like it, but we, yeah. like, if you if you if you look at the references that that even the you Stephen and Matthew make, like the Marx Brothers are way down there in in the stuff that comes up. So I just you know I've had I think I've had Duck Soup on my uh, Netflix queue for a long time. Um, I think it was on Netflix at least for a while, and I just never got around to watching it. I am interested. It does look funny. I know that I've seen probably three trillion references to the Marx Brothers in my life. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you've watched if you've watched Bugs Bunny, that's Mm -hmm. Bugs Bunny is the Marx Brothers. There's there are Marx Brothers references in Aladdin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think. I wonder if the brand of humor that we see in a Marx Brothers movie if that translates well today, because I, I was thinking, okay, what is a modern day equivalent of the Marx brothers? And there really isn't with the exception of maybe dumb Jackass. and 
Yeah, maybe jackass. I was going to say Dumb and Dumber, uh, but Dumb and Dumber is more. I think the 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 um the son or the the grandson of the slapstick film is the gross out movie. Yeah. It's it's the only movie where you get that yeah. pure physical comedy, right? Except it's all bathroom humor. Yeah, yeah, bathroom humor. Yeah, right. Yeah, not well, another teen movie. And I like some of the and and Mark's brother stuff has a lot of visual gag stuff in it, mm-hmm. but it just it comes at you without the grossness. Like there's the scene that when they go to war, uh, at one point you see Groucho wearing um, like this Russian military outfit and then they cut oh, away man, and then they cut wonderful. back to him and then he's wearing <laughs> this uh, Southern general uh, outfit and then you cut away to uh, somebody else and you come back to him and now he's wearing a Boy Scout outfit mm-hmm. and then you cut away and now he's wearing a Northern general's outfit and then you cut away and then he's wearing a, a coonskin cap and you know, that kind of gag stuff is, is really kind of, of, of funny. But then, you know, it's the play on word stuff, especially with language that I think tickles Matthew the most, right? With Ciccolini. Ciccolini, oh, isn't it true that you sold Fredonia's secret war code and plans? That's all right. I sold a code and a two pair of plans. <laughs> and the, the things that really entertain me are things like, help, help, we're trapped. There's three men and a woman trapped. If you can't yeah, get yeah. us out, send two more, three more, <laughs> women. Three more women. But, you know, there's a... There's something in there. There's a a really perverse bit that in watching it again, I was like, holy crap, are they actually going there? So um, Harpo is riding through the countryside. He stops at this uh, at this house uh, with a beautiful woman in it, and he's riding the horse right up into the house. And um, yeah, he rides the horse into the house. You know, he's been uh, riding to warn everyone of the invasion. Oh, okay, yeah. And okay. so then you know that they're going, that he wants to have intercourse with the woman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so then, you know, this is very risque in the 1930s to even show two people in bed together. But what they're doing is they do this <laughs> tracking shot along along the bottom of the bed, and you see the woman's shoes, mm-hmm. kind of one of them's tilted at an angle, so you know that they were not placed there intentionally, kind of just fell. You keep tracking along, and then you see the man's shoes. And then you go a little further and you see the horseshoes <laughs> all in bed together. <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's funny, but oh my gosh. You know, at one point we're talking bestiality, perhaps? Well, Who knows? Then they pull away oh. and, and then they pull away and, and it's the him and the horse in the bed yeah. and the woman is in the other bed. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. And then I, the, one of my favorite payoffs from that scene was when she says, oh no, my husband's coming, my husband's home. And it was the lemonade dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was awesome. yeah. That was a good payoff. Uh, so what didn't you like about Will you about marry me? Did he leave you any money? Answer the second question first. <laughs> first. Yes, yes. <laughs> I am quite wealthy. Well, of course I'll marry you. I've loved you. I've always loved you. Um, so what did you not like think, about uh, Duck Soup? Go ahead, Rodrigo. Uh, like the only uh, Marx, uh, Groucho Marx uh, bit that I remember that I've seen before is that um, he had a guy on his show because um, he had a yeah TV show. What's TV my line? Show? He had a TV mm-hmm. show. Yeah, you um, bet your life. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. And um, and the guy, I think the guy's name was uh, something like something Lopez Lopez. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, "Well, you and I should go on the road. What what would we call our act?" And he's like, "Well, Lopez Lopez and Marx." And he's like, "Well, great." There's uh, two people on the show, and I still get third billing. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, good That's times. a good line. Yeah. So what were the negatives? Then there's the apocryphal story about the woman with nine children. <laughs> well, I love my husband. Well, I love my cigar, but I take it out of my mouth once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, negatives for me for duck soup. Um, we were talking before, and I think... Part of it maybe just been my mindset going into the movie, dealing with other stuff, but I kind of lost interest for probably, oh, 15 minutes towards the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some jokes that just didn't hit as hard for me, and so there was just kind of a sequence of stuff that i didn't find horribly funny just i mean 15 minutes um so i kind of dropped out of that but besides that uh the just the lines and that entire courtroom scene 
was one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. And I object. I object. object. I couldn't think of anything else to say. <laughs> Objection sustained. You sustain it? I couldn't think of anything else <laughs> to say right. either. Why don't you object? Yeah. Uh, just the fast-paced uh, lines from all the actors are just phenomenal. And Harpo just cutting everything mm-hmm. was was hilarious. Oh, one of my favorite things that I wish would have been pulled out farther was when that first uh, 10 o'clock scene with Groucho was when he uh, tells Tis- Tisdale to uh, pick a card. Right, right. And he pulls out a card and he's like, now what? Nothing, keep him. I have 51 more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, and then one of the other guys comes and he just fans out his cards and he doesn't acknowledge him. He just kind of puts him back in his pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, come on. Yeah, I was yeah. just hoping that was gonna that one. I I laughed really hard at that one, but that I was I was hoping that was gonna get carried out more, but it didn't. <laughs> and so, how now are you going to apply this to, or can you apply <laughs> anything to your future endeavors? Uh, the thing about this is, um, comedy. I feel like has probably changed. I mean, it's changed a lot since right. this. And I mean, you look at your big comedy movies now a lot of the will ferrell stuff and then mm-hmm. oh hangover has been pretty big and a lot of the judd apatow stuff right these big comedies in oh, it's a lot different cinematically different because no close shots at all in this that was a, i mean that's so, a time period so that's a time period yeah, but time period. something else to watch mirror scene i think there's two edits in there and they're really you really have to pay attention mm-hmm. But for the most part, when they're doing these big routines, the lemonade stand. Right, right, right. All, all one, one shot. shot. Right. Right. So it's just like one set shot. up the wide shot, let the camera roll, right. and go. Which which is hilarious because the actors have their lines down mm-hmm. so pat and the timing is so perfect mm-hmm. that there's no need to edit because if you edit it in there, it would lose yeah. some of it's it. Not like, it's not like somebody flubbed the line and you have to go in for a close-up. Right. You don't go in for the close-up. Mm-hmm. You just never have to. Which I think go and never darken my towels again. Well, well, I think some of the Apatow stuff he has it kind of does that, but they do it in a way where they're rolling like three cameras at once, and they do when they do their ad lib right, sets, right, right. which kind of goes on that same line of, but they just have different angles of reactions and mm-hmm. some of that. So I think that bit of letting people that you know are funny take a scene and tweak it just a little bit and yeah. put their own stuff in it and continue that rolling is probably a comedic standpoint something big to take away from Duck Soup. Yeah. Anything else you want to add, Matthew, for young Zach? Why should we have a standing army? Because then we save <laughs> money on chairs. <laughs> I, I think that, honestly... Build a transistor, they don't need pants. One of those things that is... Yeah. If we build it up here, we don't need soldiers. (laughs) I think that when you get to the point where you're looking at something like this, kind of like I always say when we read my stuff on the regular MSP, is you kind of have to have, if not a sense, just an understanding of this is from another time. Mm -hmm. I mean, if uh, if you watch a movie from the 1930s, it's literally almost a completely different experience it's to the point where you might as well be in a different medium from going right. and seeing uh, the avengers in 3d in the, in the multiplex so th- when you when you break it down if you look at it this is a movie that is to me kind of an extended vaudeville routine and it almost watching it as an experience kind of like going and seeing live theater mm-hmm. yeah you you necessarily you'll miss little bits and there are things where you're like i wish there was more coverage here or a close-up reaction shot of margaret going oh my word rodrigo you know but when when you come right down to it just having that moment where you're just like you know what i think of us i think we follow the wrong man that <laughs> is a different experience than what you see in a movie. I'm not even sure if this had what we, you know, these days would think of as a script. It's just like, hey, you know, uh, the guys are going to do some shtick now. Keep that thing rolling. Yeah. So I don't know. I think through thinking... Not hindquarters, headquarters. (laughs) Through watching it, I constantly thought this would be hilarious on a stage because... Right, right. I mean, it was like they did it on a stage and they just happened to have cameras rolling and captured everything. Mm Mm-hmm. 
wonderful. Yep. And that's that's pretty much what it is. Plus, you you have to love the language. Mm. You have to love the manipulation of the language. They're going to tear you down and put up a building where you're standing. <laughs> you could check a taxi. If you can't leave in a taxi, you can leave in a huff. If that's not soon enough, leave it in a minute and a huff. <laughs> Just that that mutation, that endless sort of you know uh-huh. playing with the language. The things that I loved from the Fire Sign Theater when I was a kid all spun out of this type of the Marx Brothers interactions. The moments where, for some reason, and I, I still don't know why, Chico Marx always a talker like this. Right, right. <laughs> but it's it's not it's not entirely coincidence that so does fake Rigo and the Cobras a talker like this, uh-huh. because it's inherently funny <laughs> to talk like that. Partly because it's a reference to Chico, and partly because it's a fun to say things like that. We don't know why. Do we have any old business? How about new business? <laughs> Well, I would like to talk. I'd like to talk about. Uh, so, no, no, that's uh, new business. Uh, any <laughs> that's moral old business. business? That's old business. We got to move along. Yeah. No. So uh, I was approached this week. This is really weird. Um, oh, we got to talk about a movie for Zach to review next time. Uh, Zach, by the way, the- everyone should go watch this. It's on Netflix. <laughs> it is on Netflix. And there's other Marx Brothers movies on Netflix Sargos. that I'll be watching. No, next week's Zardoz. movie, Zardoz. Uh, Have you watched? Have you watched? You said you haven't watched Kill Bill one and two yet. I've watched one. Okay, you need to finish that up next week with Kill Bill two. Uh, with pleasure. Okay, with pleasure. I'll watch both. Of them. Probably just watch both. Of them. Oh yeah, I'm gonna watch. Yeah, both just watch them both back to back. So Kill Bill one and two mm, next week you know. on uh, Zach on film. Surf Nazis must die. <laughs> so I was approached in Zardoz with Sean Connery in a wedding dress. So I was approached this week. It was really weird. I was in line for some, I don't know, we were at some meeting. And two other faculty members come up and say, hey, uh, you like Star Wars? I'm like, yeah. How about you teach a Star Wars class with us? I'm like, okay, what, what do you want to do? And they're like, well, we want to just talk uh, about what? Star Wars in a class about the movie, about the universe. It is. And, I'm no longer graduating in May. <laughs> and uh, we want to do something that you know just kind of explores everything about Star Wars from the production, from the storytelling, from special effects, from politics to all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, cool concept. You think that'd be a cool class that would fill? Oh. I mean, you've heard one of my fill. lectures on Star Wars. Yeah. On, totally. on story and the uh, hero's journey. I mean, there, when you did the, uh, those three one-hour classes of comics podcasting mm-hmm. in whatever the other one was. Blogging. Um, yeah, blogging. Mm-hmm. There was more people in there outside of our major concentration than I thought there would be. Right, right. So people I, love this. I Star think that Wars. that class. I think it'd be a cool class. People I think. Would take. I think the class would fill up with easily fifty people. Do you think it would get 50, fifty people? Probably. I mean, you could get from if you pull. I mean, you're going to pull in from different different yeah, colleges. Yeah, yeah. Because it'd be that's a team taught thing where like yeah, yeah. Once every three weeks, we'd come in and give a one of us would come in and give a lecture. Right. And then next week, another instructor, and mm-hmm. then another instructor, and another instructor, and so on. I was like, well, that might be good. And I said, you know what we should do? We need to put it in the small theater. Yeah. And we, so that you can have your 50 or more people that want to do it. Yeah. And we record all these and release them as a podcast. Oh, yeah. So you can get different perspectives on, on all of this and the influence that Star Wars has had on stuff. Yeah, um, meet one night a week for two hours, but prerequisite is everybody has to watch the six Star Wars films uh-huh. to make up for that extra hour to get a three-hour credit in it. Totally. What do you think there, Matthew? Would you take that class? No, because he has to watch the prequels. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would depend on what the focus is. I mean, if it's literally a, hey, let's talk about Star Wars, I've been doing that for 20 years. I mean, I know you. So I'd, I'd want to know, I mean, is there, Well, like, is for example, one of the first, one of the first classes that, that uh, and I said, well, I've already got a lecture prepared, so I could easily take the first week, where we literally talk about the hero's journey, what that means as a concept, and how that breaks down into the three-act, or, as it's broken down in some places, the 15-act structure of Star Wars. And you talk about the three-act structure in relation to Star Wars. Um, and And the hero's journey and you can tie in everything about that um, in that one lecture. Uh, Another lecture might look at the politics of star Wars. You know, the whole reason why you have the empire and the rebellion isn't just because of 
of ideology. It's trade agreements that broke down and were being forced upon people that they didn't agree with. <laughs> it's a tariff. It really is. That's what it. That's what it is. That's we're gonna old enf- business. We're enforcing our. <laughs> we're enforcing our. Uh, our trade routes, and you have to follow it. No, we're not. We're gonna throw your tea into the sea. Um. And then I don't know. I don't know what else they're gonna, they would talk about. But I mean, there's plenty of stuff. You can even talk about how ILM was created yeah. because of Star Wars and how that how that has the impact in I mean, today. You could go sociology and what, mm-hmm. how it's affected. I mean, what was it? I saw a poll of re- religions in mm-hmm. a, so in a thing in Europe, and like mm-hmm. uh, Jedi or the Force was yeah Jedi. It was, it was like had legitimate percentage. Yeah, yeah, small, but it was there. In, yeah, it's in some places considered a more legitimate religion than that one that we can't talk about without people coming in and abducting us in the middle of the night. Ah, Oprahism. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the good thing is, at the end, at the end of your, uh, at the end of your uh, session, you get a free car. So the super and you get to see Lance Armstrong club. cry. What do you think, Rodrigo? Would you sit through a Star Wars class like that? Yeah, although I definitely would uh, want to at least know what the focus or, yeah. I guess, foci are going to be right, 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 right. Um, of, e- of each lecture or something. If it's like week one, here's your Star Wars text mm-hmm. and the hero's journey and everything it represents. Week two, kind of a sociological and cultural impact. You know, week three, what is canon? Mm-hmm. And kind of look at you know how some right. people only think the originals are canon. How really probably most people extend all six to canon. Then after that, you have the uh, CG Clone Wars movie, right? The Clone Wars, both of the Clone Wars series, books, extended universe, all that stuff. And you know where do people draw their line for what's canon and stuff like that? I would be very interested right. in that. Um, and I, I wouldn't mind you know an in depth look at uh, the concept of redemption. Mm-hmm. And how it carries over through Anakin's life, and whether oh, yeah. you know whether when we get to the end of Return of the Jedi, whether in context with what he does in the first three films, we really believe that Vader redeemed himself. Mm-hmm. Because I I feel like that is something that well, that's why really I, really deserves some. That's why I, when I look at the people that kind of poo poo the first three movies, it's like well, in order to really appreciate Return of the Jedi. You have to see where this but, little innocent boy began mm. and how he became this evil tyrant by the time you hit A New Hope to see where and how he might be redeeming himself by the time you hit Return of the Jedi. And but Return of the Jedi is the weakest film of the right, original trilogy, right. oh, yeah. even with the additional backstory. The, the, weird, mm-hmm. the weird thing is going to be uh, the boy who has never seen... Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back. Hasn't seen oh, any really? of that stuff. All he knows of Star Wars, man, maybe he, he did watch it. I remember one time he was sick and I stayed at home with him. And that's like when he's one and a half, two, we watched it all in HD on HBO or something, mm-hmm. Cinemax, something was running that. But he does not know what happens to Anakin. So oh, all wow. growing up, all he knows is Clone Wars and his hero, Anakin Skywalker. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen oh, then yeah. when this I sit him down... When I sit him down and say, okay, let's watch episode two. Let's watch now episode three. Oh, so he's only seen one in the Clone Wars? He's seen Phantom Menace and he sat through meh, about half of that. So he kind of digs what the, little kid, what yeah. the little kid is doing. Yeah. And then he's watched, I would say, of the, we're either on fifth or sixth season, he's watched about half of the Clone Wars stuff. So he knows Anakin and he right. knows what's going on. He thinks the Jedi are cool. And then we, I really can't wait till he gets old enough to where I can say episode three. Your oh, world is shattered. And then just to watch him say, this person that I've been rooting for all this time is a bad guy? Holy crap. This guy sucks. Yeah. And then say, okay, now let's see what happens when we meet Luke Skywalker. You know, this kid that we were introduced to it he there, this baby. Well, he may not, but I'll say, you know what? Yeah, he might say, oh, yeah, this is what's <laughs> going to happen to me. I can't wait to turn evil. How many midichlorians do I have in my system? Yeah, he's He's all dark and menacing. He's like the Punisher. But then just watch and see as he watches these films later, what his reaction is at the end. Does he still think Darth Vader ends up being someone who's redeemed himself? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that would be really interesting to to see. And there's a whole generation of kids 
that are yeah. doing that. They they look at the Star Wars toys and they're I like, think. yes, Jedi and look at the Anakin so awesome. And then it's like, you know, you're rooting for a guy that uh, chokes <laughs> you out if you don't agree with you're him. You're going to wipe out all the kids in the Jedi Temple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Kid I think killer. there's I think there's a real kind of uh, reckoning coming uh, for the for the Star Wars fans um, when those kids do get to that age where they uh, are old enough to really process the first three and the prequels um, because we may see a rejection of the original work. We may see mm. it to where people say like, eh, you know, I mean, I get it. The originals are cool, but they were made like 50 years ago. So, right, right. Mm-hmm. you know, my Star Wars is definitely the Cartoon Network CG. Clone and it might Wars. be. That's yeah. what Star Wars is like to me. And they just will not. They'll watch all of the major theatrical films once. And then they'll be like, meh, that's not what Star Wars is. Oh, well, I think Star Wars bit- is this awesome new uh, TV show that George yeah. Lucas was working on and then did. And then then we'll have to sit them down and say, okay, now we're going to watch a series of uh, podcasts called Zach on Film, where we discuss Star Wars. Well, I think what's going to be really telling for the future of Star Wars and and fans is what they're going to do with this episode seven on where they take that, and because they're going to have to pull, yeah, probably you're going to have to play to a, like every studio. You're going to play to a, a demographic of kids and or of teenage younger kids, and how are you going to please? Fans of Star Wars who have been there since the beginning, and then oh, you won't please. I guarantee you, you will not please the fans who have been there from the beginning. Yeah, it is practically impossible to please everyone. And uh, mark my words, they will resurrect Darth Vader. They absolutely will. I believe that it is it is simply unavoidable for them to actually avoid the temptation of resurrecting Vader. But here, but that never happens in. Extended universe, obviously, right? Um, well, the expanded Palpat- universe. Palpatine comes so? back in the expanded universe, and of course, Darth Maul comes back in the Clone, Clone, Clone Wars series. Yeah, yeah, Clone Wars. I'm just yeah, really except dies, except for the whole thing where they the burned his body. <laughs> it might be a little bit harder no, for him to come back. I'm sorry. <laughs> like we didn't see his Force ghost five seconds later. <laughs> All we have to do is have somebody come up with a good reason how you can well, transubstantiate didn't... back out of the force into human form or into somebody else's body. Maybe he's going to possess his son. Well, wasn't what was he's going to? I didn't. I haven't read. I haven't read anything. And maybe Rodrigo, bodies. maybe up. What wasn't what happened after Return of the Jedi and expanded universe stuff? Didn't Luke uh, wasn't he tempted to go down the dark side some more or not or what? Any of you guys know? Um, from what I understand, and this is mostly from comics that yeah. have been adapted from the novels. Okay. Um, basically, Luke starts up the new Jedi, Jedi Academy, and then um, we start seeing a lot more of Luke's kids and um, uh, Leia and Han Solo's kids kind of kicking around, having adventures throughout the universe. Um, there are, there's a scary threat that comes in from outside the galaxy. At some point, there's an Imperial remnant where basically they're fighting and trying to take back over and things like that. But, um, air to the empire and all like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, people come out of the woodwork and they're like, Hey, we want to follow you. Luke Skywalker. And he's like, awesome. Because you're Darth Vader's son. Not awesome. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Does he come out and I mean There's a is it is it acknowledged that uh dark, yep. is, is it acknowledged that uh Luke Skywalker is it Darth Vader's son I mean to the greater scheme Yeah oh, I mean yeah, yeah. I is mean, it, it is it, it common it knowledge frequently enough I think he he basically meets his future wife because of the relationship between her and the emperor and Darth Vader and mm. and him Okay yep. Interesting, fascinating. And I think the implication that I got from, you know, reading Dark Empire 2 a million years ago was that while it was a secret to him, mm-hmm. the secret of Darth Vader having been Anakin Skywalker was not particularly a secret secret, especially amongst the Jedi Order and the higher levels of the Empire. But I don't know. Like I say, I am certainly not canonically locked down in this stuff. 
I, I my problem is I read Dark Empire and I also read the Timothy Zahn heir to the Empire thing, mm-hmm. and they've kind of amalgamated into one big lumpy thing. And I know they're not. I don't um, even know which one comes first. And and in the end, for me, Star Wars has actually, for me personally, Star Wars has gotten too big. There's way too much too stuff, much. and honestly, people care about it way too much. So yeah. I. I will be. I'll, I pick and choose what I like, and I'm like, oh, this was a cool story. This was, I love the uh, old. Um, oh, what is it? Uh, Tales of the Jedi mm-hmm. stuff. Yes. It's super like all the comics. It's really weird, really cool stuff. Cool exploration of of the Star Wars universe. Some of it you look at and you're like, well, this has this is no longer in canon. Clearly, if you if you think of the movies as a canon, and some of them were like. You know, I kind of wish that this wasn't canon, but honestly, they, I would say that they do a, a better job than the prequels in kind of hyping up the Jedi as this awesome organization for good that sometimes kind of runs into problems uh, with one of them turning evil. Mm-hmm. Um, but but honestly, I, I'm I'm personally kind of tired of Star Wars. You know, what? Star Wars has become this thing that everybody knows. And everybody's always referencing and talking about. And it gets to the point where after the fourth Robot Chicken Star Wars special, I'm just like, I don't care anymore. I know. and This is the thing. I am a relatively casual Star Wars fan. I know that I have read at least four depictions of Boba Fett's resurrection after being eaten by the Sarlacc pit. Four conflicting stories in different parts of the canon, all of which I vaguely remember having no particular uh, no particular ties or love of Boba Fett. So when it comes to a point where you say what did and didn't happen in the Star Wars universe, it's kind of like the free-for-all that is Doctor Who, except the Doctor Who fans generally tend to go, well, I don't care if you don't like my story. Whereas Star Wars, I find I find that I get yelled at by Star Wars fans for not knowing that you know Boba Fett's resurrection in Tales of the Bounty Hunters is not the same as Boba Fett's official resurrection in the Thrawn trilogy. It, it comes to a point where when people are having these internecine battles about what is and isn't good and what is and isn't evil, you've kind of gotten to a point where I'm like, maybe we do need more legitimate, actual, A-canon Star Wars material, Mm -hmm. not just to shoot those things in the foot, but to give us more things to obsess over. Yeah, I can see that. The thing with Doctor Who that I always loved was when I was a fan of Doctor Who between 1989 and 2005, there wasn't new television material to be had. So Mm -hmm. we were tearing apart the original 157,000 episodes and we were going, well, how does how does the deadly assassin tie into the Gallifrey that we later see in Battlefield? And we would take these things apart and it, it eventually became that point where my friend Dusty says that there are no real Sherlock Holmes stories that aren't written by Arthur Conan Doyle. And somebody once wrote that if you locked people in a box with nothing but the, you know, the Zapruder film, you would eventually have little wars over whether frame 183 is the best or frame 196 is the best. You know, we've gotten to a point where I agree with Rodrigo, not necessarily that I'm, I'm tired of star Wars, but I can take it or leave it, especially ancillary materials. Mm Mm-hmm. To the point where just saying, hey, this is going to have Darth Vader in this episode of Clone Wars isn't necessarily enough to make me go, okay. Now, if you tell me Han Solo is coming back, played by Harrison Ford in his 60s, that might get me in the theaters for a Star Wars. Well, that's what I'm that's what I'm wondering. I mean, the those three have been approached and or at least talked with Lucas about this, Mm -hmm. but it just seems that, you know, they've it's been, you know, what, 40 years now since Star Wars? Uh huh. It seems like, um, that it seems like, yeah. Well, and by the time this movie gets out, it probably will be 40th anniversary. It seems like the natural course, if you're going to include the ongoing tales of Skywalkers, that you look at them later in life. What does the old Han Han Solo do? What does the uh? What does the and that and that that's going to bring up something really interesting which is that for the past 20 years 
the those stories have been written. Yes, right, there are right. some that are conflicting, but what happens immediately three seconds after the end of uh, Empire or Return of the Jedi is written. There's yeah, a yeah. book about it. Um, and are these movies going to be essentially adaptations of derivative Star mm-hmm. Wars works? Or are they going to well, blaze a new path and essentially yeah, wreck all yeah. of the sure. canon that people... Take Are to we, be the actual well, and this goes right. back to it hasn't been explored by the police, and that goes back to a discussion that we've had before about what is more, and I don't want to say what is more important to the fans because fans, fan fans, fanatic fans, um, are the ones that will have already read the books and the comics and all of that stuff. But then there is also this large base. Then there's also this probably I would say a much larger base of people who have watch the movies, watch the TV show, have the action figures, have the lightsabers, mm. but have never gone out and picked up the comic books or the or the novelization stuff. And if you told them, hey, there's a book out there that tells you what happens with Luke and Leia and Han and all these people after, you know, uh, this event takes place, most of them probably go, I don't care. Mm. Make a movie for me. Yep. So I don't, it's, it's kind of weird. It's kind of like, again, the Avengers have become so huge that you almost have to create the Avengers movies and, and the Iron Man movies, all the Marvel movies for this much larger general audience, yeah. as opposed to, well, there's a comic book about extremists. Go read that. Mm-hmm. If you want to find out what happens yeah. next. That's why I'm interested. The, the... Oh, go ahead. Seth. Okay. Uh, there's been little rumors around the internet about what rumors on the internet. (laughs) Yeah. There's going to be episode seven or seven. And there's also going to be like offshoot movies that Mm. aren't indirect in the episode, but there'll be star Wars movies dealing with other characters and star Wars universe stuff. I'm almost more interested in that because I'm a well, semi afraid of what episode seven could become and how hated it could a, be if it starts wrecking with the expanded. Originally, the uh, Star Wars TV series, this was two or three years ago when they were doing this. The Star Wars television series that they were talking about wasn't going to be focused on your core characters. Right. It was going to be like in the Western spiral arm of the uh, mm-hmm. of the galaxy. Um, there was this stuff right. going on. They should do Knights of the Old Republic movie. That'd be awesome. This and is then, a galaxy far, far away. Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> um, but then, you know, you had that, what is that video game, long, Rodrigo? Long the video game that was the Underdark. It wasn't Knights of the Old Republic. Nice of the Republic. Is that the one where you went down below the oh, lower, no, the lower decks of... Uh, that's not out yet. Of oh, that one's on? not? Yeah, Coruscant. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's not out yet. Mm, okay. But that's the one where, you're, again, you're not dealing with the bigger Star Wars story. You're dealing with these people that are in the right, lower decks right, of right. Coruscant. Yeah. Or the lower awesome. levels of Coruscant. That's Coruscant. cool Star Wars stuff. Okay, there you go. Uh, video games. Uh, let's transition over to Rodrigo. Give us the lowdown on what you've been playing in your uh, in your absence from the show last week. So, um, and I did, and I did play a lot of it. Um, at, after Christmas, I was going to be flying back, and I realized that I was going to spend a lot of time in the airport. So, I, as as kind of a big impulse buy, I went out and got myself a 3ds. And I got uh, Pokemon White 2. Partially because, again, I needed something to play when I was out and about. And partially because after I said some of my comments about Pokemon in, in previous episodes and after I posted my um, my article on the site. Oh, yeah, site, people are people still giving like, you flack well, about that. They are, they are. And, it's, and that's cool. Um, because, you know, obviously it's something that people are passionate about and, and people are going to disagree. Um, but a, a couple of people were like, well, all your comments are, you know, this comment and this comment, and this comment is not right. You know, you're saying that this thing is obscure and it's not, you're saying that this thing is, um, that these guys are too similar and then they're not, they're very different. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to pick up the latest Pokemon game. There's, there's one that was just announced, but this is essentially the, out of the games that are out. This is the latest Pokemon game. And I kind of still feel the same way about it. Um, there are like there are things that are much improved, but there are things that are still totally difficult. I mean, I look at the stat block for a Pokemon and I go cross-eyed. 
um, because they have all of these different stats. They have all of these things that don't apply and don't go together. The classifications are still really weird. I mean, in one on you can have fire Pokemon, water Pokemon, um, electric Pokemon, and fighting Pokemon. Um, but you know they all fight. So what makes a fighting Pokemon? Um, apparently, <laughs> earth, it's, air, fire, and boxing gloves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the classical. Yeah. yeah, the you know. If you uh, could roundhouse. Oh, here. this is my favorite. He's a he's a business duckling dual uh, origin Pokemon, um, but he's not a bird Pokemon because duckling Pokemon and bird Pokemon are two different things. You know, sometimes it really feels that way. Um, it that doesn't mean it's not fun, and that's the thing is uh, fundamentally the uh, the franchise has a lot of uh, potential and a lot of things that they're doing with it that are very cool, um, but. I actually, I will go back and defend pretty much everything I said about uh, the game in that there are a lot of issues with it that I still have and a lot of things that make me kind of uncomfortable about it, like not uncomfortable in a moral sense, but I'm just like, oh, why is this happening now, you guys? (laughs) I just kind of want to play this game and do this and this with it, and the game is pulling me in a direction that I don't want to go. So that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, and I was sick last week, so I got to play a lot. And, um, at the end of last week, last, this past weekend, um, I went on, I went to this, uh, I went on this shoot, um, and it's a big remote. Uh, so we went down, took all our cameras down there, uh, set up the remote truck and everything. And there was a lot of waiting. So I had a lot of time to play this game and level up all the Pokemans I wanted. (laughs) Um, and, uh, really, really got a chance to kind of, uh, you know, get deeper into the game and see if things were different. Then again, it, it, I think a lot of the time it sounds like I'm being very, like I'm being very negative about Pokemon, but it's kind of like that thing, like we were talking about Star Wars. It's something that I care about and it's something that I'm interested in, but I'll, there are things about it, things in the canon of Pokemon that really bother me. You love it enough to care and want to fix it. Fix exactly. in, in air quotes. Did you exactly. play? Uh, did you play Poke? Or, uh, not Pokemon. Did you play Skylander over uh, the holiday, Rodrigo, with your little nephews? Um, no, they don't. They don't have that. Uh, my nephews are really benefiting from uh, my old systems ah. because you know I had a Super NES and I had a Nintendo sixty four. So my parents have been slowly graduating them from system to system. Oh, okay. Sweet. So I think. Uh, well, if they if they want an if they want a if they want an Xbox or a PS2, uh, they, they can have mine. Oh, well, that's cool. I I I'll, I'll tell them that and and see if mom is okay with it. Because uh, there's probably they um, probably need to wait till they're 14 before they, they play some of the titles in my collection, though. So my nephews are are actually getting. Uh, a good hit, like video game history lesson there, you know, at a much more rapid pace, you know, it took me um, from the time that I was, I don't know, I, I forget how old I was when the NES came out and then I had to wait all those years for the Super Four. <laughs> Probably. I mean, I was pretty young. Um, but, you know, so they've gone from the NES to the Super NES to the N64 in just a few years. We should just stop um, there. But N64 they're getting at least... The <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it it gets no better than that. No, um, I still play mine. People, you know, people talk mine, about both Mario sixty as like just explosions in game style that you know just haven't seen anymore. Uh, basically, up until the Wii came out and opened up the the video game market to everyone, not just gamers. Mm. Um, but anyway. I got to play Skylanders at uh, Brian and Rob's house. And if yeah. you listen to this podcast or you listen to it, um, you know, Rob has done a few shows of major spoilers and uh, Brian is D&D Brian from Critical Hit um, and Rob is in Critical Hit as well. So I got a chance to see it mm-hmm. over there. I did. So I did. I did actually get a chance to play it a little bit, mostly you- when uh, one of our friend's son's I got frustrated and handed me the controller to beat a particular area. Yeah. And I handed it back to him. (laughs) I think uh, pretty soon, I think what we should get, I should get is uh, 
Rob and Brian and the boy to sit down and talk oh, about geez. Skylanders because those three, I mean, the boy just is like, oh yeah, my tree Rex, he's a level 92 or whatever. And he just knows all, I mean, he's, I never, I never got into anything this much where he knows all the stats, mm-hmm. but he'll sit there and he'll go, okay, um, dad, today we're going to play tree Rex because he's a level nine and has this hat and has this much money. And so we can power him up. And then we want to go with, uh, what's his name? Swarm, I think is his name. Uh, because we just changed his power and now he can turn into those bees and then we can uh, use. And I'm just like, how do you remember, remember all this stuff? But I, but I ask you, what is six minus three? And you can't answer that. Uh, but I think it'd be hey, fascinating. What level do you have to be to fight the Lich King? I don't know. I have to tell you the truth. I, I walked into Rob and Brian's house yesterday before we recorded some stuff. And I thought it was don't, funny. I was don't like, don't ever do that, by the way. Because uh, it was, I was like, Hey, something's different about your living room. Like, say, they like, remove some like magic cards and a coffee table. And I was like, well, I was like, wonder what the heck they did, why they do it. And then I just saw all of their skylanders. Oh, all the skylanders. All of yeah. them, like, oh, now I understand. Oh yeah, we are on a we are on a quest now to get the uh, the last two giants that he needs. He needs mm-hmm. uh, what is it? Uh, hump hump something and eyebrow. Hump, hump something. Yeah, it's like uh, no thump whale. Thump, thump, thump whale. Thump whale. I think is his name. And um, he, we only need those last two. And he's like, then I'll have all the giants. That's also the subtitle I, of the SpongeBob porn parody. Yeah. <laughs> I did not realize that Spyro was yeah, yeah. a Skylander. I downloaded the they have a yeah, iOS the, app mm-hmm. and I just tried it for like play, play Battle 45 it's seconds. Fun. And uh, Spyro was on there. I was like, oh, that's cool. I remember Spyro from way in the day of like the PS games. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is weird that Spyro is a part of it. Yeah, that really threw that me off. They were like, "Oh, what if this Sky- if if this Skylander thing doesn't take off?" It's like, I know. Well, we have the rights to Spyro, so let's mm-hmm. throw him in there for that name recognition. But Spyro is totally. recognizable by gamers who were playing games at a very specific point. Um, mm-hmm. Because, yeah, because yeah, because older gamers don't care about Spyro. Right, they care about their Mario's. <laughs> um and younger gamers haven't seen that many spiral games. Right. There wasn't very you know, I don't remember the, how many there were. the kitties that they're shooting at. So they're like Zack. Zack yeah. is the one that they want to get Spyro. Yeah, we'll have a big in-depth discussion maybe next time. Nah, let's see. Next week. We got a critical hit, so yeah, maybe we'll record something then for a future thing. I think we better get out of here though. Uh listeners, if you want to get some a good pair of headphones. You might want mm. to uh, check out tweakedaudio.com. Zach's been using his pair. Yeah. What do you think of those? Yeah, they're really nice. Uh, my, I had a pair of Monster Turbine in-ears before mm-hmm. then, and they finally crapped out after, or one of the wires broke, and it wasn't working. And so Stephen gave me a pair of the Parkours mm-hmm. and really solid pair of headphones. I like my headphones to be nice and noise reduction-y, and I'm like headphones and I will, I'm willing to spend money on headphones. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so I was, I was like my hipster nose at the tweaked audios before we gave them. And I wear them yeah. all the time there. Oh, like I said, I really good headphones. I bought, I bought a new, uh, I got the new iPhone five. Well, not the new, but you know, the, the iPhone five, yeah. I upgraded my plan and it comes with those, uh, new Apple earbuds. Mm-hmm. I just threw them in the trash Apple because I really like the, uh, the PB, uh, headphones from tweakedaudio.com so much so that I just threw that brand new pair in the trash. It's like, I don't even want these as a backup because I know that these are going to uh, to stick around. So tweakedaudio.com, a lot of styles, a lot of colors, a lot of different, uh, you know, in mic, noise reduction, all this stuff. Here's the best thing. When you check out, use the code MAJOR and get one third off your purchase at tweakedaudio.com. We thank them for their support and we thank you for your support for everyone who is making a recurring donation. Recurring donations are very important to us because that is where we get um, a lot of our, our money that helps keep the servers running and the uh, the server that we put all of our podcasts on, the, the fee that we have to pay for that. Um, everything else, a lot of that comes from your, from your recurring donations. And if you want to see all this continue, if you want to see the website continue, if you want to see the podcast continue, and if you want to see the Zach on Film spin off into its own show, boy, we, uh, we could use your help. It's really much, uh, very much appreciated, and we thank everyone for that. Next time, man, we'll be at like four ninety nine. The next time we talk with you on the Major Spoilers podcast, Mark down from five sixty three, <laughs> holding the line at four ninety nine. 
Next time, Girl Genius by the Folios. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save some bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the rack. And although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he'd make me wait out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little me would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would you bag and board your comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Major spoiler, yeah, 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 yeah. What a major spoiler. Major spoilers is copyright 2013. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip top shape. Or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today. And view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.